everyone. I'm sorry I can't be there tonight to join with all of you for this last part of our series. I really wanted to be there with you, but unfortunately I'm just really not feeling uh, well at the moment. But I really did want to share this final part of the series that we've been going through uh, with all of you here tonight. We have been going through a series over the past little while called Us Versus Them. And throughout this series, we've had a theme verse which comes uh, from Matthew 5, verses 43 to 44, which says, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. These are Jesus' words. And this is not the way the world looks that we live in. We live in a uh, very often a polarized world, but we're called to be different. We're called to be defined, known by everyone around us, by our love for one another. And as we've been discussing over the past few weeks, this narrative of scripture is in constant opposition to the narrative of the culture around us. And the narrative of our culture is to have an us versus them way of thinking. And so what can we do? What is the church able to do to not think in an us versus them way? Now, the foundation of all of this, if we want to really be able to understand how to break out of this way of thinking, is to be able to view others as image bearers of God. Everyone that we see in our lives has been created with worth and value because they bear the image of God. And we should be viewing people through this lens. This is the way that God views people, and it's the way that we should be viewing people as well. And when we begin to look at people through this lens, our actions towards other people and our attitudes and our words begin to change. In the second week of this series, we spoke about how this should change, how we disagree with others, particularly others in the church. And tonight we're going to be speaking more about what we do with people when we disagree with them, but we're going to be taking a slight turn because we're not speaking about disagreeing with one another in the church anymore, but what do we do when the church doesn't align with the world around it? One of the things that has changed for us over the past 50 or so years is we've began to move into an, a new era of history. And this is called post-Christendom. Now, what happened in uh, 312 AD, the Roman emperor of the time, whose name was Constantine, he converted to Christianity. And in the moment that Constantine converted to Christianity, suddenly Christians were no longer the persecuted people, but they became the majority religion in the Roman Empire. Whoever the emperor decided to follow, whatever religion the emperor decided to follow, inevitably, this meant that the majority of people also were required to follow this same religion. And so everyone in Rome became a, inverted commas, Christian. And since this time, we have been in a period of what's been called Christendom where the majority of people in the culture around us have had some understanding of Christianity and a huge portion of our culture has been shaped by Christian values and by the Christian faith. 
But now we are in this period of post-Christendom. And Christianity is now becoming seen as irrelevant. And to some people, it's being seen as even worse than that. It's being seen as harmful. Now, Christianity is being beginning to be seen by some as the enemy, as the them. Now, if you're seen as the enemy, it can be easy to respond in the same way to the people who see you this way. And now, the, most, the way that most people in the world would handle things when people see them as the enemy is with an us versus them mentality. But let's remember our verse that's underlied everything that we've been speaking about from Matthew 5.44. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So now that we live in this new era where Christianity isn't always seen as normative, now that we live in post-Christendom, how do we respond as the church? In the early 1900s, Russia was at war with Japan. And a lot of the fighting between the Russians and the Japanese happened between the two groups' navies. In particular, there's one event called the Dogger Bank Incident. And this event happened in some of the seas around Great Britain. Now, some of the troops in these Russian ships had had a growing anxiety Uh, as they had been on these ships for quite a long time. And on one particular night, as their anxiety had been brewing uh, uh, for a little while, um, there was a mist that began to form in uh, in the Dogger Bank. Now, the Russian troops who were there, they began to have even heightened anxiety because of the mist that had formed. And suddenly, in the midst, the Russians began to see these ships beginning to appear through the mist. Automatically, the Russians began to think, these are Japanese ships. These are the ships of the enemy. We need to take these ships down. And the Russians began firing on these ships. What they didn't realize was, though, is that these ships were, in fact, just British trawlers. But the anxiety of these Russian troops was so great that they didn't care. They began to just fire at these ships because they thought they were the enemy. But then it went even further. Then they began seeing more ships appearing throughout the midst and they began firing on these ships as well. But what they didn't realize is that these were their own Russian ships. And so a lot of these Russian crew on the, uh, in these Navy ships began firing for 20 minutes and it got to the stage where there was even rumours of Japanese having boarded their boats. This was a very famous incident of people seeing a certain enemy but mistaking who was really there. Now it seems to me... Like there has been a mist growing for a little while now, which has caused the church to fire bullets in the wrong direction. Meanwhile, the true enemy is sitting back laughing. Now it's been often the case 
that the church has sometimes seen the outside world as the enemy. But the world is not the enemy. I remember a mentor telling me, don't expect non-Christians to behave like Christians. And this is particularly true in a post-Christendom society, which is the society that we live in right now. Even if we do face persecution in this life, we shouldn't feel like this is unexpected and it shouldn't make us feel like the world is now the enemy. And most of all, we shouldn't be treating the world as the enemy, even if we are persecuted. In 2 Timothy 3 verse 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so the Bible actually anticipates that believers will face persecution from the outside world. Now, even if we do face persecution, this doesn't mean that the Christian life is about rolling over. We do have this inbuilt desire and ability in us to stand and fight for something. This is why so many wars have been fought throughout history. We have something inside of us that makes us want to stand and fight for it if necessary. And God's built this within us for a reason. Even in Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 12, we see some of the language about standing and fighting. In Ephesians 6 10 to 12, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the world is not the enemy, but we do have an enemy, and he is at work in the world, and he is against you, he is against me, and he is against God. The belief that there are spiritual forces at work today doesn't necessarily translate well at all times to people within our post-Christendom society. A few years ago, there was a, uh, a program that was uh, run on ABC's Nightline, and they held a debate entitled, Does Satan Exist? And someone's response was, healthy people do not have any need for Satan. And this is the goal of the enemy. When we don't see the true enemy, when we don't even believe that he is there, this inbuilt desire to stand and fight for something means that we'll begin firing arrows at the wrong people. We will forget the true enemy that is really there in front of us. In John 8, 44, the second half of the verse, it says he was, this is, the, this is Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. In 2 Corinthians 
11.14, the second half of the verse. It says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Now, we know that there are spiritual forces at work, but it is so easy to continue living this life as though there aren't spiritual forces at work. A few years ago, I was part of a church that was going through a series on spiritual warfare. And this service seemed like any other. And the preacher was speaking through some of the spiritual forces at play in our world today. And then suddenly something changed because this lady began convulsing who was there in the congregation. This was a huge surprise to everyone. And this lady was walked out into the foyer and she began screaming and frothing at the mouth. Now, we later understood that this lady has been, had been dabbling in some pretty um, dark things in her life. But it just showed me once again that there are spiritual forces always at play. There is an enemy and he is against you. He hates you. He exists to destroy you. And he is at work in our world. And one of the ways, one of the primary ways that I think he is lying to us today is by distracting us from the real fight that we are supposed to be a part of. When you feel that need, that desire within you to stand for something, you have to remind yourself who you are really standing against, but also what you should be fighting for. Recently, the musical Hamilton has come to Brisbane, and I'm guessing that some of you may have had the opportunity to go and see Hamilton for yourself. If you hadn't had the opportunity to see Hamilton, it's set during the American War of Independence and follows one of the founding fathers of the US nation. And this uh, founding father that the musical is based on is based on the life of Alexander Hamilton. And the person who is the primary enemy during this musical is King George. Now, King George doesn't feature prominently throughout this musical. And although they often speak about what they are against throughout the musical of Hamilton, they speak about far more what they stand for. This is something that is more compelling to understand what you stand for. Now, the very next words in the passage that we have read from, from Ephesians, is stand firm. There is this inbuilt need for us to stand firm and stand for something. As Christians, literally Christ ones, we are here on earth as his ambassadors with a mission. We are here in this world to stand for something. Yes, we have an enemy, but there is something that we stand for. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 to 21, we see this. It says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. 
All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling to the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As Christ ones, there is a reason that we are not with Christ now and that Christ hasn't already finished Satan off. We are still on this earth right now to stand for something, to fight for something. And our fight is for reconciliation. We are Christ's representatives, his ambassadors, his spokesmen to reconcile people back to him. Last week, we spoke a lot about reconciling to one another within the church. And this is a beautiful picture because the ultimate goal of the world is that it would be reconciled back to Christ. There are other things within our lives that are important, but the reconciliation of the world to God is the main goal. There is an us versus them in the world. And we need to keep an eye on who is the real enemy, but also remember what we are here to fight for and stand for. And our fight is to reconcile those who don't know Jesus back into relationship with him. Put more simply, we are not here to fight the world. We're here to reach the world. Currently, the church is persecuted in many countries around the world. And one of the things that you would expect in these countries where Christians are so heavily persecuted is that the church would be in decline. But one of the things you actually seem to notice in countries where there is a high level of persecution is that the churches are actually growing and flourishing. One nation in particular in China There is persecution against many Christians in this nation. And currently, there are about 67 million Christians in China. One of the remarkable things about this is that there is about a 7% growth in the number of Christians every single year. And this means that there is 4,690,000 new followers of Jesus Every single year. Now in these places, it would be very easy for these people to view the world as the enemy and pray against the people who are persecuting them. And yet they don't see the world as the enemy. They see the world as those that they need to reach. They pray for those who are persecuting them. They understand that they have a role here in the world as Christ's ambassadors to reconcile people back into relationship with God. 
Now, there is nothing wrong with speaking up for things that are important to us as Christians. But that's not where we win. We win the fight when we display the love of God to people and we reconcile them back into his family. It's not an us versus them. It's an us inviting them to him, back to God. The church has entered this new era, this post-Christendom era, and it's really important that we get our priorities straight about who we are fighting against and what we are fighting for if we are going to see God's kingdom advance here in the earth. We can't allow this true enemy that we have to gain ground by focusing on the wrong thing. Now, I just want to give you the opportunity right now. I'm going to pray in a moment and the team's going to come up and they're going to to play. Um, And as they begin to do that, I just invite you to think of that one person that God might be calling you to reach. God has given every single one of us different circles of influence and different people that we are able to reach. And I want to give you the opportunity right now to think and pray about who is that one person that God is calling you to reach and see reconciled back into relationship with him. So right now as the team comes up, I'm just going to pray and I want to give you that opportunity um, as we begin singing these next few songs to think about that person that God has given you to reach and reconcile back to him. I want you to pray for that person that you might have some opportunities to reach them this week. So let's pray together. So God, right now, would you place on our hearts those people in our lives who you are wanting us to reach? We thank you for the message of reconciliation that you have given us, the message of the gospel that you are wanting us to bring into the world. We want to be good ambassadors, good witnesses for you. And we want to see many, many more people come into relationship with you. But we also want to thank you, God, for the reconciliation that we have been able to experience. And we ask, God, that you would help that to be the fuel in us wanting to see more people reconciled to you. God, would you keep our hearts focused on the enemy that we are truly fighting? Would you help us to not see the world around us as the enemy? But God, would you also help us to remember the real fight that we are fighting for? God, stir within us a hunger and a passion to fight for what really matters, to see more and more people come into a saving knowledge of you. So right now, God, would you just place those people on our hearts who you are calling us to reach in Jesus' name. Amen.